0: This morning, we're going to continue our series called Jesus, and uh, that is really what the book of Hebrews is about. Now, the book of Hebrews was written to the Hellenistic Jews, but we get to learn so much from what uh, was written in Hebrews. And this morning, we're going to talk about importance of Jesus in our lives and the importance of understanding and knowing Jesus the Word. Remember we talked, I think it was the first week or the second week, we talked about the Word, and the Word was made flesh, and He dwelt among us, that Jesus is the Word. So the Bible and the Word are the same. The Bible says, Scripture says that Jesus was here in the beginning. With God, He was already here. It says the Word was with God and he was God. So Jesus was already here in the beginning. Jesus already knew before the foundations of the earth existed is that he was going to have to die so that we could live. And that's how much, you know, when we read that passage in John chapter three, verse 16, and he says, for God so loved the world so much that he sent his only begotten son. What does that really mean? It means that God knew before he created the world that he would have to send Jesus, that Jesus would have to die so that we could live, so that we could have a personal relationship. But that's how much Jesus loves us, that he was willing at that point before the foundations of the earth existed to already know that I'm gonna to have to go and die for these people. But he loves us that much. That's, that's who Jesus is. He is love. The scripture says that we will be known that we will people will know that we're his disciples by the way that we love one another by the way that we love one another now it doesn't mean we love sin okay that does. That's not what that says. It does not say we're supposed to love sin. It, does, it's not, it doesn't say that we're supposed to let sin just go by and it's okay, you know, if you do this and that. No, we're supposed to, the Bible says, work out our salvation with fear and trembling. We should know that our God, you know, that vision that we said, don't go back to it because it'll stop recording, but that vision that we said earlier, okay, One of the things it says to be set free. We know that there's only one way to be set free. To be loosed from the bondage of sin is being set free. And only Jesus can do that. Only the blood of Jesus that was shed on the tree over 2,000 years ago and his resurrection three days after, only that will get us to heaven. There's no other way, the Bible says, through heaven. What what, what does the scripture say again? It says, I am, Jesus I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. We talked about that Wednesday night. He is all those things. There is no one else but Jesus to look to. You can look to anything else in the world, but there's none. And that's what I think is so interesting about this scripture that we're reading out of Hebrews, and then we're going to be jumping to 2 Timothy, is that in today's world, In today's church, especially the American church, things are are changing, and not slowly, but they're rapidly changing. Now, I'm not getting down on a a particular church. I'm not getting down on a particular style of worship. I believe you can worship Jesus any way you want to. You can go to a church that sings a cappella and you can worship. You can go to a church like ours who does very modern worship. You can go to a church that does traditional worship uh, of of the hymns. You can go to a a church that sings stuff, you know, back when Jesus was here. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Messianic style music. That doesn't matter. So that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about when I say that we're rapidly changing, we're rapidly changing in the effect that we don't know the word. Now, this is interesting, because if you don't know the Bible, do you really know Jesus? If you don't know the Bible, do you really know Jesus? And so the writer of Hebrews, who we're not sure who it is, but, we, but I believe, and, and a lot of scholars believe it was the Apostle Paul, So if you ever hear me reference Paul, you go, well, it didn't say his name in there. No, it doesn't. Okay, but that's everything that we look at his other epistles and his other writings, and they all—he's the only one that the Hebrews is the only one that actually goes along with how Paul wrote. So that's why we believe that way, or I believe that way, I should say. So here the writer says in chapter five, Hebrews chapter five. If you're taking notes, verses eleven through fourteen. Hebrews chapter five, verse eleven through fourteen. He starts out with there is much more we would like to say about this. Now they've been talking about Jesus, about his priestliness, okay? He says, There's much more we'd like to say about this, but it's difficult to explain, especially since you are spiritually dull and don't seem to listen. Now I'll tell you something. He's writing to people that are like that are that are that are his, his people. See. Paul was a Jew, so he's writing to Jews, all right? And he says, and this is why I like the New Living Translation in some of these, some of these uh, scriptures here. He says, you're spiritually dull, and you don't seem to listen. Paul spent a lot of time teaching. Peter spent a lot of time teaching. A lot, there was a lot of teaching going on out there, and he says... All this teaching has been going on. You've been hearing this stuff, but evidently you're not listening. And he says, you're spiritually dull. What does that mean? See, on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came and he fell on those in the upper room. And they came out and the Bible says that that 3,000 people came to Christ in one day off of one message from Peter. One day, 3,000 came. Why? Not because Peter's a great speaker not because of anything other than this. The Holy Spirit spoke that day, and people said, this is true, I'm going to believe it. Now, the interesting thing is the Holy Spirit spoke where? In Jerusalem. He spoke there. The revival, the the, the Christian church started right there. So the writer is saying, hey, you've heard these things, and you are so spiritually dull, the Spirit of God is not working in you. Have you ever taken a dull knife? Have you ever got a dull knife before and you need to cut something with it? How, how about this? Have you ever got a butter knife and tried to cut a piece of steak with it? It doesn't work, does it? Instead, you're just like jabbing at it, trying to get it to break apart, you know. But it, but if you took a sharp Butcher knife or a sharp steak knife, and it will slice right through that. And see, he says, you become so dull spiritually. You're not even hearing. You're not even hearing the Holy Spirit anymore. He's trying to tell you about Jesus. What did the Holy Spirit come here for? The Scripture says the Holy Spirit came here to point people to Jesus. He said, you're not even hearing the Holy Spirit. You're not even understanding any of this stuff. And I'm trying to teach you, and people are trying to tell you and teach you, but you're not even listening. Not only are you spiritually dull, but you're not even listening. Then he says, you have been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. You've been believers so long now, you, you ought to be teaching others. And I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand and ask you how long you've been a believer, okay? Are you teaching others? I said this last week, every one of you including myself is called into the full-time ministry. Now how that looks to one from one to the other, see people think, well you're called into full-time ministry, that means that you pastor a church or you're an evangelist or you're a missionary. Now, every one of us is called to full-time ministry. Every one of us should be going and telling people about Christ, whether it's at our job where we're just, where we're just sitting at a, a lunchroom table and we're discussing Christian ideas and discussing the Bible, whether it's a prayer walk with Connie where you're going out and you're praying for people, you, whether you're on a plane flying somewhere with somebody that you don't know but you're talking. See, the thing is, it's the excitement of what God has done in our life, what Jesus has done in our life should be so much, so much. You know, we use lots of sports analogies because it's easy to, to, it's easy pickings. But we get, when your team wins, you're excited. You scream, you shout, you yell, you tell people, you talk about it around the water cooler at at work. You talk about, my team won, my team won, my team won, right? Right? Or for those of you who don't like sports, maybe, you, maybe you've got a new car or you've got a new house or, or your child did something in school that really made you happy. What do you do? You talk and talk. Why? Because you're excited about it. You want to talk about it. The same way we should be as Christians is we should want to talk about it. We should want to not only talk about it, but we should want to be able to teach it. You know, I've, I've heard this many times, not here, But I've heard this many times. Well, I just, I need to go somewhere where I'm getting fed. I just don't feel like I'm getting fed here. And I'm like, well, why aren't you feeding somebody else? You're sitting there in the pew, in the chair on a Sunday morning, on a Sunday night, a Wednesday night, or whatever it is. But are you feeding anybody else? You're not getting involved. You're not doing anything in the church. You're not, you're not, you're not really reaching anybody in the church itself. What are you doing outside the church? Are you having a Bible study at your home? Are you sitting down with somebody at lunchtime on a one-on-one basis, a new Christian, and, and going through the scriptures with them and helping them understand what you already know? Are you teaching somebody else? Paul says you should be teaching others, and, you're not, and they're not, you're not teaching others. You know this. You as believers know this, but you should not be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you just the basic things about God's Word. It is sad that in many churches today, the pastors have to preach the same sermons every month, the basic sermons instead of getting deep into His Word. Because people don't understand. I had a pastor say, well, why in the world should I preach that? They don't even understand this this portion over here about how Jesus died on the cross for them. I'm still having to teach them all this stuff. He says, you need to be, not only do you need to be teaching, but you don't even know the basic things about God's word. Now, Now, understand back then, again, they didn't have God's word in a book like we have. They had it in epistles. They had it, you know, the the gospels. They had it that was written down. They may have, but they would sit around and they would study together. They would get together, and the Bible says that when they did that on a daily basis, that the that the the spirit of God grew their numbers daily. The church was growing daily when they did that. So they they had to get together. They studied together. They read they read what they had together. They listened to Paul. Wouldn't that be cool to sit and listen to Paul or Peter? Just be able to sit in the front row. Oh, wait a minute. Maybe you don't want to sit in the front row, but, you know, hey, I'm not saying anything. I'm not saying anything. There was a thing online the other day, and I'm not getting on in, nobody, okay. This is just funny, but there was a pastor. He says, I need to make some room for some, uh, you know, I need to make some room in, in my church, uh, or I need to take some chairs out of my church. That's what I mean. I need to take some chairs out of my church and, and uh, he's like uh, so i just took him off the front row nobody was sitting them anyway so <laughs> he says hey it gave us more room to for prayer and praise so <laughs> so he says he says you're the basic things he says you're like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food why can why, why can babies not eat solid food number 1 they got to work their digestive system up to it right number 2 they need some tea to bite on so they could chew that food up, and they can digest that help digest that food, right you know they 're not like Saxon. and I, we go out and we just eat, and we 're just like oh, you know that 's good, and just let the the stomach you know uh, just uh, process it uh, <laughs> no, but babies have to digest the food they have to have teeth they have to they have to mature, their jaws have to get stronger so that they can chew, you know applesauce you don 't have to chew, you know. But meat, you have to chew. Those solid things, mm, 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 you got to chew those things. And so babies build that up. As Christians, if we're, if we're learning and if we're studying and we're, we're teaching and we're being a part of it, we're building that up, we don't have to have milk. We can have the solid food. But he says, here's the thing. You're sitting around enjoying the easy stuff, the milk. See, when you drink the milk, you don't have to build up anything. You don't have to have any teeth. You don't have to build up anything. You just drink it. It's easy. Why do you think when you get old, I'm glad we don't have no old people in this place. Why do you think when you get old, why do they start feeding you? They start feeding you applesauce and juice and everything else. Why? Because you don't have the strength to take it in. Right, you don't have the strength to take it in, but we can we can build up our spiritual man so that we can take in and we can study and we can learn and we can understand and we can go deeper. And when the scripture says these things and greater, Jesus said, "You will do." You know, we're going. What are you talking? I don't understand this. Why? Because we've stayed on top. We're just taking the milk and we're just drinking the milk because we don't want to spend the time. Let me tell you something. It can be hard getting into the scriptures. Everybody says, "Oh, yeah, just pick up your Bible and read it." Really? We have the Bible easier access to the Bible than we've ever had it. I've got—I don't know how many Bible apps on my phones and my tablets. I huh? Not including the house. I got Bibles stacked everywhere around the house. I've got Bibles galore. I've got this version and that version. But people have access to the Scripture 24 hours a day, seven days a week. They're downloading it all the time, and I think some people just download the app so they can tell people I've got the app on my phone. I'm going to go, when did you last open it? When did you last open it? It is amazing how many people that you'll ask a question to today. Oh, I'm a Christian. Oh, you're a Christian. Well, um, how long was Jesus in the grave? Oh, I don't know that. You may not know this, so don't think you're think you're stupid, okay? But I'm going to tell you something that I thought was interesting. Uh, in in uh, a, a class, we had a, a teacher one time in a class, and they were a part of a Christian family that that they said they studied their Bible every day and studied together as a family every day. And Easter came up, and Christy was Christy was this person that was uh, was a uh, kind of an intern in the class and Christy was teaching the class and, she, and this this intern was teaching too and they read that Jesus on the cross was pierced in his side. And the, the intern turned to Christy and goes, did that really happen? <laughs> Number one, it was in the Bible so it's kind of funny to Christy. He was like, well, yeah it's in the Bible. Yes, it happened. But But the second thought was, my girls who were, you know, younger than they are today, a, lot, a little bit younger, they all knew that. They all knew that. Why? Because, because we train them and we teach them, and, and it's not that makes this great parents. I'm just giving a, a point. That we, we run into things all the time, and that may be something obscure, but there are a lot of things you run into, and Christians don't even understand it. I could get into so many things today that Christians say, oh, well, no, that's not a sin. That's not a sin. If if two if two people of the opposite sex love each other, then that's okay. Doesn't matter if it's if the Bible says it's wrong. No, that's not a sin. That's not a sin. It's okay. As long as they love each other. See, then we take the word love and we totally twist love into meaning something that it doesn't mean anymore. Love means I can sleep with anybody anytime, anywhere I want to, and doesn't matter. As long as I just say the words, I love you. And I can fall out of love with somebody, and I can fall into love with somebody. That's not what the Scripture says. That's not in there. We have twisted it. And then we say as Christians, but we're okay. We're okay. And what's the problem? The pastor has to keep on bringing the skim milk. Well, I guess you need whole fat milk to keep you alive. But they had to keep on bringing the milk, right? We want these babies to be skinny. Babies are supposed to be fat and that's what a lot of our church our church people not i'm not i'm just saying in general spiritually they they've become very fat on the milk portion and they're not getting deeper into it. it it reminds me of as you grow i was talking about this in our class this morning as you grow your body matures you get stronger right you get stronger and guys we like to arm wrestle and do things cuz we get stronger and I don't know what girls do because I'm not a girl, but we get stronger as we grow up, and our bones are supposed to get stronger. And there, the, there's a thing that's just come out that the Rangers program, the you know the Rangers division of the Army, you know the elite Army Rangers, that they're having a hard time with a lot of injuries with their newbies that are coming in because their bone structure has not matured the way it's supposed to. So they begin to do some research, and they found that, Instead of men going out and working like I did on a farm and, and you know hauling heavy stuff and doing hard things, instead, what they have found is that they're sitting around in front of the computers, and I love video games as much as the next guy don't get me wrong but they're sitting around in front of video games all day long, every day since they were a little bitty, and've never their body has never been able to build and grow the way it's supposed to. See, it's the same thing with us. We want to read John 3.16 and say, oh, hallelujah, I'm saved. I I know John 3.16. I can quote it, and everybody in the world can quote John 3.16 because Tim Tebow put it on his eye black, you know, and he would say it all the time. So everybody knew what John 3.16 is. Oh, I could do John 3.16, but can you do John 3.17? Most people don't know John 3.17. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him would be saved not an obscure scripture. And there's a lot of scriptures that are not obscure. I mean, we need to learn the scripture. The Bible says that Jesus, when he was attacked by Satan, when Satan came and attempted him and tempted him, he used scripture quoted back to Satan. He didn't use his, he didn't just say something. He just used already written scripture from the Old Testament to combat Satan. The Old Testament's just as important as the New Testament. I want you to know that. We need the scripture. We don't just need the milk. And then he continues, solid food, get you over there. Solid food is for those who are mature, who through training have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. I like that. You don't want to eat all solid food. A dog eats a bone. That's pretty solid. And it's food to that dog. It could be food, that marrow inside of it. But you don't want to be chewing on a bone. You choke and die, you know? you Solid food, you know the difference between a, a, a big old piece of fat on your steak and the steak itself, right? It's, you, you, begin, you know, you learn things that you're supposed to eat and you're not supposed to eat. You know, my wife can't have anything that's hot. I can eat things that are hot, but, you know, Her health won't allow her, her body won't allow her to eat things that are really spicy. It bothers her. We begin to learn about this. And that's a thing in, in the scriptures as we study and as we come together, whether it's coming together at church or coming together at a Bible study at a home or, 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 like I said, maybe sitting across from somebody at your work or somewhere else just talking about the Lord. We begin to learn more, and it challenges us. What, what have I said? When, oh, but I don't even want, know if I want to talk to people about Jesus because I don't. What if I make a mistake? What if I say something wrong and I say, well, just tell them, hey, I'll get back to you on that. I don't know the answer right now. Let me get back to you later on it. But we want to know the word. Which is Jesus? Jesus is the Word. Word is Jesus. We need to get that in our mind. We need to, to meld those two together, because Second Timothy chapter three verse sixteen through seventeen. Here's what he said: All Scripture is inspired by God. It is it is profitable. Profitable. You know what profit is, right? Everybody know what profit is. You, you know, the profit means it's good. It brings stuff in. All right. It is profitable for teaching. It's good for teaching, for reproof, and for correction. It teaches us these things. You got me? It teaches us, the, 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 the Scripture teaches us, it corrects us when we're doing something wrong, and instructions in righteousness. Why do we live in a world that is becoming more and more unrighteous? Well, we took, we took prayer and Bible reading out of public schools. We have have constantly attacked the Ten Commandments as something religious that we don't need. And we wonder why we have mass shootings on the rise. We wonder why people are getting killed left and right in Chicago every weekend. There's like seven, ten killings a weekend in Chicago alone. And many more injured and hurt. We wonder why the United States of America, why, why children are disobeying their parents and disrespecting authority. Why? Because we took out any moral compass. A lot of people don't understand that the United States was founded on Scripture, and our first textbooks in the the public school systems was a Bible. That was our first textbook. But we took all that out. We had founding fathers who said, we need this. We have to have this for our democracy, for our republic democracy to work. The scripture is inspired by God. So everything you read, you can say, this is inspired by God. The Holy Spirit spoke through other men and gave us the scripture. It goes on that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. You want to be equipped? you got to know who Jesus is. How do you know who Jesus is? You got to know the word. Why? Because the word is Jesus and Jesus is the word. He says, if you will, you will be equipped, you'll be empowered. You will have what you need. If you have the word of God, I said this last week, I think it was that you will go out sometimes and a word, a scripture will come to your remembrance and you go I don't remember reading that scripture. Or maybe I read it one time, but I never memorized it. Why? Because the Holy Spirit can bring back that scripture at the right time. But if you don't already have it in you, how are you going to know what to start out with? If you've never studied it and you've never read it, how are you going to know what to say? How is the Holy Spirit going to be able to bring that to your remembrance? He can if we have it in us because Jesus is the Word. The Word is Jesus. It is inside of us because we study it. And we are complete when we have the word. We are complete. Now, I wanted to read this scripture first, and then I've got a little bit of scripture reading here, all right? It's good to read scripture in the church. It is good for us to have reference in scripture in the church instead of just having somebody's opinion, all right? So I read this scripture, and now we're going to go back to the first of 2 Timothy chapter 3, and let's read that. Know this, in the last days... Perilous times will come. Perilous times are coming. Perilous times are coming. I'm just going to tell you that. What does that exactly mean? I, I, I don't know what it's going to, I can't tell you perfectly what it's going to entail, but perilous times are coming. Here's what he says. Men will be lovers of themselves. Have you seen somebody like that? Have you been around somebody like that? They're lovers of themselves. They're concerned about them. They're not concerned about somebody else. They'll be lovers of money. See that? People, oh, I just gotta have money, gotta have money, gotta have money. It doesn't matter. I'm gonna leave my kids on kids behind because I gotta have money. They'll be both and let me say before I go on. Because of my job, you know, I work a lot of a lot of hours. And uh not this job, for those of you who don't know, that I have a regular job that I work to pay the bills. And there was, the Lord just come to me a couple of weeks ago, three weeks ago, I felt he spoke into my, my life. I was, I've been working so many hours and, you know, just trying to, you know, make money and, and supply for the family. And the Lord just was like, are you really just trying to supply for the family or is it that you want to make more money? Are you trusting in me? See, the thing is, is when we know the scripture, it's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for leading us to a righteous life, right? And this comes to my mind, are you, God said, what are you really doing it for? I'm not against you making a lot of money. I've said all, the time, all along, I want plenty of millionaires in our church so we can do all that we need to do for the Lord, all right? I have no problem with that. But the question is, what is our drive? And the Lord was saying, what is your drive right now? Lovers of money, they'll be boastful, they'll be proud. They'll be blasphemers. That's people who look at the Lord and say, you're not God. We don't care about you. We don't want anything to do with you, Holy Spirit. We don't care about what you're doing in our heart. We don't care about the tugging in it. No, we don't want nothing to do with you. We're blasphemers. Disobedient to parents have just said that. They're unthankful. My goodness. It is amazing how many people. I was I was in a restaurant the other day, and I just could not believe as nice as I was to the person waiting on me, how unthankful and ungrateful they were. It was like they could care less that I was even there. And I was just like, this is, this is just amazing to me. It's shocking to me. I'm in a good mood. I'm trying to be nice to them and trying to, I, I understand maybe you're having a bad day, but it, the amazing thing is how many times that we come across people that are that way that are unthankful. Who cares that you showed up? Who cares I got a job? Who cares? They're unthankful. They're unholy. I think we could name plenty of things in that. Without natural affection, this is what I talked about earlier, and I'm sorry when I, you know, I should say I'm sorry, but it is people get offended when you talk about this, but without natural affection means that they have affection for people or things that are not natural, that are not the same. Okay, it's not affection, man towards woman, woman towards man. That's natural. Anything and I'm saying, anything opposite of that is unnatural. That affections unnatural. Truce breakers. That's people who give a promise and then they break it. It used to be that I could shake your hand. I could come up. I could come up and I could shake your hand and say, I will do this. The story of a pastor that I, uh, my mother-in-law's pastor in Terrell, Texas, First Assembly got Terrell, Texas. And he came in one day and he says, hey, if anybody's looking for me, I'm going fishing. She says, the problem was it was storming like crazy. Wind was blowing, pouring down rain. It was storming. She goes, pastor, are you sure you should go fishing today? He says, Well, I told this new guy over here that I was going to go fishing with him. And so I'm going fishing with him. And she said, they went out fishing, and they even caught fish, and it was storming like crazy. And that guy gave up and was giving a testimony. It says, why are you in this church? Why I'm in this church? He says, because the pastor told me he was going to do this, and he kept his word. And he says, I knew this is the place I need to be because the pastor kept his word. Why? But that that is somebody who wasn't willing to break a promise that they made, even in that situation. And what the pastor said, the Lord woke me up this morning, he this is what he told my mother in law. The Lord woke me up this morning and told me, You gotta take this guy fishing. You told him you'd take him today, you gotta go. So he's like, Lord, just please don't drown me out there, okay? slanderers, people who just make stuff up. We see this in the media every day, 24 hours a day, people just making things up just because they don't like the way you believe or the polit- political side of the aisle that you're on. We see it constantly, people slandering. They're unrestrained. We see this in in, in the, uh, the streets. We've seen this with a, a lot of different groups in, in the streets as of late. They're fierce despisers of those who are good. Have you ever heard this, this term that... Good guys finish last. know, this attitude that if you're a good guy, you finish last. We don't want anything to do with you. We want the bad guy. We want the bad person because we care less about the good person. Traitors, they're reckless. They're conceited. They're lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. Now, Folks, let me say this is probably one area that we miss the most cuz we like to talk about some of these other hot point issues but then we then we forget about the lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. Lovers of pleasures can be anything. Y'all know I'm a NASCAR guy, right? I love NASCAR. It could be that I love watching NASCAR more than I love God. More than I want to put my put my time in with God. Not that I can't do some fun things, right? Not that we can't do some fun things. But when that takes place of what God needs us to do, right? When it takes place of our Bible reading, when it takes place of our prayer, when it takes place of, of directing our children, Leading our children in the way they should go. When it takes place of when the when the things that we love take place of all these things, you say, "Well, wait a minute. I thought it says lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God." Let me tell you something. Your family is important, and I believe that if you are not leading your family, then you're not, then you don't love God anyway. Because loving God means that you're going to love your family and you're going to lead your family the way they should go. I'm not saying that your kids are going to do everything they should do. They are human beings. They get to make their own choices. Remember, the Lord made Adam and Eve with the intention of them never sinning, and they still did. Okay? So don't beat yourself up. If you're giving them the word, just remember one thing. It will not return void, and if you teach them and you train them up in the way they should go, in the end they will return. That's what the scripture says. Remember, his word is powerful because Jesus is the word, and the word is Jesus. Now, they have a form of godliness. This is what I'm saying when we say, well, this, uh, th- this is not a sin, and that's not a sin. But I go to church, but I can live the way I want to. What is that? Having a form of, oh, I dress up, I go to church, and I get all excited, and I clap my hands, and I, maybe I raise my hands, and maybe I cry a little bit, but then on Monday morning, I go out, or Tuesday night, or Friday night, and I go do things that I know that the God that God doesn't want me doing that is against His Word. What is that? They have a form of godliness, but here's what He says: but denying the power that's in it. Now there's a there, there's a multitude of ways that you can look at this. Okay, one is they have a form of godliness, but they deny the power of God to do anything else in their life. I can read my Bible, but God doesn't do anything else. I can go to church, but God doesn't do anything else. That's it. How about this? This is a new terminology. I've told you this. Instead of, instead of in the Pilgrim's Progress where the man comes to the cross and he lays his burdens down, now we continue past the cross and we hold on to our burdens, and we use this term right here. That I hear it in, it's, sadly enough, it, a lot of pastors are taking this term, that we're on a journey to salvation. We're on a journey to righteousness. Now, let me tell you something. After you lay down those things at the cross, yes, you're going to make some mistakes and you're going to mess up, but it doesn't mean that you continue to carry it. See, having the form of godliness but denying the power of that same godliness is saying, God does not have enough control to free me from this, to set me free, like our vision says. He doesn't have enough control to set me free. He, whatever that addiction is, whatever that problem is, God doesn't have enough control to set me free. God doesn't have enough control to help my marriage. God doesn't have enough control to help my family. God doesn't have enough control to do exactly what he said, that he would supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. He doesn't have enough power and control to do that. It says, but in denying its power, having that godliness, but in denying that God is can do anything, anytime, anywhere he wants to. And he says, turn away from those people. Don't hang out with those people. It's another thing that people try to teach us today. Oh, just go hang out with all these sinners. Jesus didn't hang out with sinners. Jesus was intentional about what he was doing. He wasn't just going out to the bar with them, hanging out, okay? Those of this nature creep into houses and they captivate silly women who, women who are burdened with sins and led away by various desires, always learning but never able to come to the knowledge of truth. And, uh, but they shall proceed no further, for their folly will be revealed to everyone as theirs also was. But you have observed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, tolerance, love, patience, persecutions, afflictions, um, and he said, but the Lord delivered me out of them all. And yes, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. I tell people all the time, if you want to know that you're living for God, you're going you're to say, man, why am I being persecuted? And, and persecution, listen, there's different levels, all right? Just like there's different pain levels when you go in the hospital. And if my mom walked in as your nurse and she says, what's your pain level? You know, they got those little faces up there, and one of them is really sad, and the other one's smiling, you know. <laughs> What's your pain level? Persecution is the same way, right? Some, some persecution, you, you can at least have a little smile, and you feel okay with it. But then some persecutions, right, I mean, it's painful. Sometimes that persecution comes from your own family. I think that can be some of the most, it may not be a knife, it may not be getting your head cut off, but it's that, that, that feeling that your family is mad and hates you. I, I think of the Apostle Paul was in a prison and I wish I could put, I don't have the, the pictures here, but in this prison, the way you got in this prison is there is a hole. The guards are up here. You couldn't get out of this prison. There's a hole, and they would lower you into the prison. So when we hear about Paul being in prison, he wasn't sitting there watching ESPN and watching the Razorbacks lose on Sunday on Saturday, okay? That's not what he was doing. He was, he was in prison. It is said that there would be a foot to a foot and a half of waste water inside the prison where uh, where the prisoners would be at the uh, the guards would use that hole to use the restroom so technically you're just in the sewage these are the things that Paul went through but he says uh, he says it doesn't matter. I understand it and I'm okay with it because I understand that everyone who desires to live a godly life is going to go through persecution. But he says, evil men and seducers will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Tell you, I probably got three weeks worth of preaching here, but I'm going to just finish up here. But continue in the things that you have learned and have been assured of, knowing those from whom you have learned them, and that since childhood you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise unto salvation through the faith that is in Christ Jesus. The word is powerful, but what happens is what he what we said in Hebrews just a minute ago. That if we don't study the word, then what we if we wait just for the preacher on a Sunday morning or somebody on a radio to tell us something, if that's all we're gonna do and we're not praying and we're not digging in deep, we're not we're not spiritually, our jaws aren't getting stronger, and we don't have teeth growing. Instead, what's happening is we become a Christian as a baby, and really, we just we just advance to the old side, right? Where we we can't eat anything, we can't do anything, but we're, at all, oh, we've been in church 20 years, we've been in church 50 years, well, what are you doing with it? What are you doing? He says that you should be able to teach other, what are you doing with what God has given you? For the solid food is for those who are mature. And, and I'll tell you that the bottom line is that you need Jesus, that we all need to